Hello and welcome back to another episode of Tolkien with Friends. And this episode is brought to you by COVID and the flu. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) By the time you hear this, we will not be sick anymore. But as of right now, we are. So, um, hooray. Our first sponsorship, guys. No, that's a joke. Um, today is actually the official start of season two, and we Woo! are kicking it off with Woo! our Woo! good friend Meegs, aka Fangirl Meegs, on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. So thank you so much for joining us. Woohoo! I'm so excited to be here. Season two. <laughs> yeah, this is um it's crazy. I mean, it's like been such an interesting ride and I feel like we've really you know come into our own a little bit and I'm really excited to dig into the Hobbit you know and um this is gonna be such a different ride too from the first exactly exactly and you know you know, if this is your first time ever joining us as a listener, um, we recently finished reading through Lord of the Rings and doing a direct comparison chapter by chapter with Peter Jackson's original film trilogy. And so for season two, we'll be doing the exact same thing, only with The Hobbit. Um, but before we dive in, I wanted all of us to talk about how we're coming to The Hobbit. Like, for example, I know for some, like, The Hobbit trilogy was their intro to Middle-earth, and for many others, it was, like, The Hobbit books, or, you know, just kind of, like, how we're, um, like, our mindset for this. And so, like, for me, you know, I began my journey with Tolkien through The Hobbit, you know, reading through it and Lord of the Rings ahead of the Fellowship's premiere in 2001, um, and by the time the Hobbit movies began to release, um, Lord of the Rings was like firmly a part of my personality. Like that was, you know, like I was getting swords gifted to me from family members or like, oh. you know, like my Those cousin are good got family me a- members. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Like one year I got Sting. Alex got me a lot, like a lot of things from Alex. But then, you know, my mom got me like some Legolas posters or a Middle Earth mm-hmm. map that she framed and stuff like that um and you know when the hobbit movies were coming out like i was so excited to go back to middle earth via film um but transparently i have not historically been a huge fan of the hobbit movies um and i will be approaching the season with as much of an open mind as possible but you know when the first movies when they start coming out like I saw the first one like three times in theaters because I was just so pumped, you know, like we saw it at midnight. I saw it with my stepbrother, which I had never done before, but I was like, sure, I'll take you, you know, and then I saw it again with um, some other friends and it was just kind of one of those things where I was like, huh, like it wasn't quite Mm -hmm. hitting the notes that I thought it would be Mm -hmm, so I'm mm -hmm. really hoping that through this journey I can kind of reconcile those feelings and like Mm -hmm. see the Hobbit in a different way Mm -hmm. Um, but you know what about you two like what's your experience with these movies and you know how are you feeling about them today and how do you hope to come away from this with anything Mm. Kelly you first Oh, okay. I was going to say Meeks, go for it. But, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I'll start. I 
started reading um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy and I finished them before I actually made it to, to The Hobbit. So I did this in the wrong order. <laughs> it's just the way the books came to me. So, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I had read the books long before the movies came out. Um, mm -hmm. And when The Hobbit movies came out, I feel like I did a similar reaction with Rings of Power with some of the episodes where mm -hmm. I watched it and I kind of went, oh, well, that's what they did with it. And then mm -hmm. I didn't love it, but then I watched it a second time. And I don't know, for some reason, the second watch was always more uh, lenient or uh, forgiving um, or something. So, and I think because so many people really like to dislike the Hobbit movies, I think I've decided for this season two of our podcast that I'm just going to be unapologetically like enthusiastic about them I'm going to be the Aww. one being like yeah no that. that was great I don't care if that broke canon that was <laughs> awesome so that is the stance I'm Perfect. taking <laughs> I love that well I the first Lord of the Rings movie that I ever saw in a theater was The Hobbit and um, my parents got all the movies extended edition on DVD of the Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. as, you know, I was growing up and, um, the movies were my first intro to the series. And, um, it was something that I think I was a little critical of in my own way but not coming from a book stance where like I had previous knowledge or mm -hmm. um preconceived notions of how things should be but more of just like hmm the you know CGI or like whatever it sure. was that was kind of bothering me was just kind of from my own experience but it was exciting to be able to go to a theater where my parents had been able to do that with all of the movies, but I was too young um, at that point. And they were like, I think it would be too scary for you. Um, so they being able long. to see The Hobbit- They were about scary, but sitting a child, like, or like anyone <laughs> like yeah. under 25 through those movies was <laughs> slow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing is for me is I was scared of like, some scooby-doo episodes like that's oh. the kind of level of like scary oh, that i couldn't handle <laughs> honestly sometimes like, they were scary though yeah they're like yeah. the orcs no mm -hmm. you you are you would be way too freaked out by that um which it's funny because as like you know family members extended family like cousins and friends learned that i loved the lord of the rings so much they were like um why aren't you scared by these orcs and I was like I just know that they're people like it it I yeah. not that I'm taken out of it because obviously like the incredible work that they do with prosthetics and even like their CGI and everything like it never was something that like I was like aware of like watching being like wow this is so fake but like it didn't scare me because I knew of how much love and time and effort that like the people behind the screen put into making those yes. movies so good so anyway it's just funny though because people were like aren't you scared of like this that that seems a little like scary for you so all of that to say um 
yeah, the Hobbit. I'm, I'm excited to like dig into this in this episode and then listen to the, the ones that come and see how you guys are talking about all of this, because like you said, it is a series that like, these ones are the movies that until the rings of power, I would say people liked to hate the most. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I think that in recent times, it almost feels like they've gotten like a pass. Like, um, there was, I felt like a pretty common, uh, I guess, opinion of just like, yeah, like the Hobbit kind of sucks, but whatever. Like we moved on, right? Like we just accepted that they weren't what Lord of the Rings was. But at the same time, I know so many people where it's like, no, the Hobbit was my first thing and I love it. I don't care that it's not the book. And I'm like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. That's great. Like, I'm so happy for you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, um, and because I know that it's, and and I'm hoping, I'm going to hope it to wrestle with that, those ideas as well. But, you know, I, I feel like, and then with the Rings of Power, I almost feel like everybody just, uh everybody that wanted to hate on it and prop up peter jackson for what he did just never brought up the hobbit like yeah. they're just like oh peter jackson middle earth forever and i'm like well well <laughs> you know like <laughs> nobody's perfect okay <laughs> like, um yeah so, so yeah i think that uh i know c- people can get riled up about the hobbit movies too but i i don't want to like yuck anybody's yum in doing this <laughs> i hope that just through this um that i can more appreciate the movies for what they are and just mm-hmm. we'll just talk about some of the different things that happen in the book in case you don't know just kind of mm-hmm. like what we did with lord of the rings so yeah <sighs> so with all of that said for today's episode, we are covering the first chapter of the book, An Unexpected Party, and like the first 40-ish minutes of the movie and The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. Uh, we all know that the Hobbit book starts with the iconic line, in a hole in the ground there lived a hobbit, which leads to some explanation about hobbits and who they are and what they're like from their long, clever brown fingers and deep, fruity laughs to what it means to be respectable, right? Basically that you never do anything unexpected and money doesn't hurt either. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I, I love that whole like setting it up, um, the way that it opens and in contrast with the book we have in the movie, it opens with Bilbo writing to Frodo saying <laughs> that, you know, he may not have told him the full story about the mm-hmm. Hobbit. And they kind of kick it off with an explanation of the town of Dale and the dwarves of Erebor um, and including Thorin and his father Thrain. And in the book, this story comes later, you know, just as basically like in the book we're kind of learning things as Bilbo does but here Mm -hmm. they kind of set it up more kind of like they do with the Lord of the Rings movies right like they've got um kind of a bit of a prologue bit Mm -hmm. um and they're also kind of like a parallel with fellowship and they're also kind of giving us backstory on the dwarves um and we're also kind of they're kind of banking on people having nostalgia for the Lord of the Rings movies with this so um you know and that's cool um and i think i think the only thing that i would say concerns me about this framing of the movie 
is that we have kind of Bilbo decentering himself from the story right at the outset. Mm-hmm. I think that that is um, quite an interesting change, mm-hmm. continuing to call the movies The Hobbit, right? Um, so you would kind of, it kind of sounds like it should be all about Bilbo. Um, but so, so here's my thing in general about the Hobbit is that it's this adorable, it's like whimsical tale. Like, sure, there are dangers and adventures, but at its heart, it's um, to me about how Bilbo not only finds his courage, but also realizes his abilities to be a leader and, you know, expands his worldview from kind of what we expect a Hobbit to think about to mm-hmm. like introducing him to elves and dwarves and, you know, making friendships literally all across the, the continent, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the movie doesn't keep this at the core of the story. And we're, we're starting to see that framing here and instead shifts the focus more so to, I wouldn't say like 100%, but like more so to Thorne and company yeah. among other things, you know, which we're starting to see. And, um, and not saying that like movies are any less charming for this, but like definitely something I have on my mind while watching this and like reading it and watching it back mm-hmm. to back mm-hmm. the idea of this adventure kind of being like the theme that you know Bilbo being opposed to an adventure being opposed to anything unexpected and then his acceptance and his excitement and the peril and everything that he goes through it seems like the beginning with having him be the narrator and kind of explaining all about this you know exciting land to the east and the town and the mountain and the people and the dragon like him kind of setting the scene like that like you said it kind of takes away from his character mm-hmm. but it sets up for this adventure and and is preparing kind of the audience to like what you know this is an adventurous tale this is a a story that you know you're going to get out of the comforts of you know, Hobbiton, and you're mm-hmm. going to go and explore and um, be challenged. And, you know, there is heart to it, of course, once we get to have those friendships and those relationships with the company and with Gandalf showing up. But yeah, like you said, it, it's very interesting to, to frame it this way, where he's the narrator, and he's showing off these other places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also funny the way that I mean, like, I think Ian Holm is a wonderful actor and um, he's just such a great Bilbo, I think. And I think Martin Freeman steps into those shoes really well also. But I noticed that when Bilbo is kind of explaining Erebor to Frodo, it's almost the way that he says it, it almost sounds like he was nostalgic for it. Like, ah, Erebor. Like, you weren't there when it was like him happening. But I I get why they do that. And, you know, I know that Ian Holm in The Lord of the Rings would give like multiple takes of things. So I wonder if this is him doing the same thing. And he, if he said it and, you know, he would do a multiple takes of the line and give a different like emphasis each time and like a different vibe. Um, I don't know if he did that for this, but it'd be kind of interesting to know. Um, And... But Callie, do you have any other thoughts about that? Like just the initial framing of the movie right here? 
So it's interesting that we're starting off by talking about Bilbo as the narrator. Now, I'm sure you've heard a few times the theory from our friends at the Soul Hiram <laughs> yes. that the Hobbit movies are um, more, if they're, if you look at them as uh, a very fanciful tale told by an unreliable narrator who is Bilbo, mm -hmm. um, that that has helped them find some love in their hearts for the, the Hobbit movies. Um, so it's interesting, I think, that we've started already with this conversation. I know. It's, and it's <laughs> funny that they say that. I mean, they do kind of spin it like that. And then later, when we get to... Um, apart after Bilbo kind of faints Gandalf is explaining uh he, he's telling Bill a little bit of Bilbo's history to him which I also thought was funny because like hobbits are obsessed with their own family trees so it's like Bilbo should know that but he you know basically tells the story of Bullroar Took and how he like lobbed the goblin's head off and also mm -hmm. invented the game of golf at the same time and you know the Bilbo of the movie is like oh that's ridiculous and Gandalf was like well all stories need some embellishment or whatever and so it, I feel like they're doing a lot of, like with what you just said it kind of feels like the way they wrote this one is to be more like wink wink to the audience mm -hmm. that like things about to get like it's it's like I don't feel like they're doing a a one to one in quite the same way that they did with Lord of the Rings, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like I think that going in, I was probably expecting more of that, but going back and like talking through this with y'all, it it seems like that sh probably maybe shouldn't have been the expectation just based on how they're just even initially setting it up because overall I wouldn't say that this first part of the movie is that terribly different from the first chapter like they move some things around but ultimately you know like the vibe is kind of the same um like for example the good morning conversation with Gandalf and Bilbo I'm so glad that that stayed in there because it's like I think the do you wish me a good morning or mean that is it a good morning whether I want it or not or that you feel good <laughs> this morning or that it is a morning to be good on. on. It's yeah. just so <laughs> quintessentially Gandalf but like Gandalf the Grey you know like yeah. he's a little more like cheeky and so I, I love that that stayed in there um, and you know so things like that are still like you know they get it just right. Um, mm -hmm. I think that the main thing that they leave out um but again like this is this might be on purpose but I think they probably could have left it um is that they take out um Bilbo's incredible like politeness like his like his uh inclination to be overly polite so like in this scene where he says he doesn't want any adventures, thank you. Um, he invites Gandalf to tea the next day, not because he actually wants to have tea, but just as a way to like kind of soften the refusal. You know, he's just like, mm. oh, oh, we can't be doing any of those adventures, but you know, like come to tea tomorrow. Why not? And, and then he closes the door and in the book, but he doesn't say that in the movie. Um, so he just has the dwarves like showing up and they also switch it from like tea to supper. Like he, they just show up for dinner. Um, but this is like 
I think it kind of explains better how he could let all of these dwarves just like into his house without ever really like protesting like in his mind he's like what the heck but in the movie you know we do have Bilbo kind of react slightly more realistically like when Feely and Keely show up he's like don't come in you've come to the wrong house and they're just like no we haven't Uh, and they just like has it been canceled yeah (laughs) and they just keep on and keep it on you know um but you know other than you know that you know, that's like kind of a small thing, but I do think that it's, um, again, if we are thinking about how Bilbo is coming to this, it's kind of important, um, you know, and, and I think another slight change is that they kind of um, focus more on the dwarves' ambitions about reclaiming Erebor. I think that it becomes more the narrative becomes more about reclaiming their home rather than like the gold even though like multiple times in the book they are really talking about the gold they don't want other people to get it and they and that is a little bit in there but Mm -hmm. whenever it's just like the dwarves talking to each other there is they do kind of make that more of a heart-wrenching argument I would say like they Mm -hmm. they make it more about like oh they don't have a place of their own Mm -hmm. um but I I couldn't understand why they do that but uh I think it's funny that like in the book it's just like feels more like a business deal you know Mm -hmm. than this kind of more like heartfelt reason to to Mm -hmm. go back to Erebor Um, and then there is one thing that I was thinking about and I'm like, I don't really know how they would have included this exactly. I mean, they do move things around as far as like when like Bilbo here, like in the book, Bilbo listens to their song and then it isn't until after that that he faints and then he comes back into the room when they're talking. But in the movie, you know, they have the dinner um, they're talking and then when they get to the, the they have a contract in the in the movie that's like quite long <laughs> and mm-hmm. that when he reads that he faints Gandalf tries to kind of like talk him into going on the adventure Bilbo was very much like no no and they sing um, at the end and then it just kind mm-hmm. of cuts to like him waking up but he hears the music and so by doing that in the in the book he when he hears the music I think it's interesting that like he um has it says that as Bilbo listens that then something Tookish woke up inside of him and he wished to go and see the great mountains and hear the pine trees and the waterfalls and explore the caves and wear a sword instead of a walking stick and I think that they really avoid having these kind of like breakthrough moments with Bilbo in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys had the same vibe, but they like he's very much in the movie at this point during this first like before he wakes up the next day. Like he is very much like kind of digging in his heels. Like he does yeah. not want to go. He's not interested at all. Like mm-hmm. tells Gandalf he's he's wrong. But in mm-hmm. the book, you have these slight little moments where like he he feels something. And, mm-hmm. and like with the Tookishness, like Took, we know is Pippin's last name, but it's also mm-hmm. the last name of Bilbo's mother, 
Belladonna, um, and she is one of the remarkable daughters of the old Took. Um, and this is significant because there was something not entirely Hobbit-like about the Tooks. Um, and there's even like a rumor that at one point one of their ancestors is like a fairy. A fairy which, wife. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that. I know. <laughs> I, I always thought that was so such a cute line. And it's also funny because I don't think we ever have like of course, like as the story evolves and as things change, like fairies don't really play a part in Middle Earth. So I'm almost like, is that another way does it refer to an elf that, do you know what I mean? Like fairy or- Interesting. Yeah. Because in this book, we obviously know that they call goblins, they call orcs goblins throughout most of it even though like there's but there is a note at the very very beginning like before the first chapter that lets us know that goblin or hobgoblin for larger kinds is you know trans a translation for orc i always thought of when they mentioned that fairy that maybe someone married was like i don't know like a relative of goldberry or something i like that goldberry is like yeah. a water sprite or a water nymph or something like that. So that's I don't know. Kind of if there's one of her, there could be like other ones. There could have been other ones like her. I don't know. Totally. I like that too. <laughs> Me I three. like that too. So yeah, I think that, um, but, so there's something a little bit different about the Tooks in that like, they're the only ones that have historically gone on adventures and like, they try to hush it up, but like everybody knows like that <laughs> when they disappear, that they're the ones probably off on an adventure and it's um, not that respectable. Uh, <laughs> For the and, polite hobbits. No, yes, no, no. exactly. It's like, hmm. Uh, but the Tooks are richer than the Bagginses, so they can get away with it. Mm. Um, so, you know, like we were saying, like Bilbo doesn't really talk to the dwarves again after he faints. And but this is the point in the book where he he kind of comes back into the room, um, and he overhears Gandalf. Uh, when and like he overhears them talking and earlier Gandalf had kind of stood up for him saying he can be fierce in a pinch and so when he walks in he actually hears Gloin saying that Bilbo looks more like a grocer than a burglar and this line they give to Thorin in the movie um, and which I think is funny I mean it's a good line like I'm glad they kept it um, so he enters the room if only like because it does kind of like it hurts his pride a little bit um and he wants to live up to Gandalf's recommendation and try to make himself seem fierce so I I like that it says he suddenly felt he would go without bed and breakfast to be thought fierce and I'm like well pretty funny because you definitely will (laughs) yeah (laughs) I was thinking that like when they were having the giant meal like how long had it been since they had something like that? Like, mm. and then knowing in the future that they would probably not have that for a long time. With oh, the yeah, that's a good up. point. That like they were mentally prepared for this. Like, so they were like really enjoying it, you know, and I'm like sure. making Bilbo get up and get all of the food that he had. Because I, I remember there's a part, um, at least in the book, where you know, Gandalf is starting to like, hey, bring out X, Y, and Z. And he's like, how do you know that I even have this stuff? Um, 
But yeah, I think hobbits are, if not always ready to entertain, they're always ready with enough food to entertain. Hmm. You I know. like that about them. Yeah. We should all be a little bit like that. I know. <laughs> I'm like... And I do like they have the little scene in the extended where he like goes to the market or whatever. Um, I just I love being in the Shire in these movies, mm-hmm. like just hands down. It is so comforting and mm-hmm. it's it's so pretty with all the green and everything. I just love mm-hmm. I and love the music. Hobbits. The theme music. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's Hobbits. Very that was on my Spotify, like replayed over and over, <laughs> really? over and over. Song was concerning Hobbits, and I was like, "Yeah, that's right." I love yeah. that. I know. Like it as soon so as good. the credits start to come up on this movie, you're like, "Ah, you know, like we're back, we're back." Yeah, exactly. And you know, we know that like "Far Over the Misty Mountains Cold" is a banger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. the way that they arranged it was very nice. Um, mm-hmm. Fun fact, though, is that in the book they have instruments, which I think is hilarious. Wow. Because, like, where the hell, like, um, what is it? It's like Dwalin or some people have basically cellos on the porch. They like left them outside and then they're like, hey, go get my viol or whatever. And like, some of them have <laughs> flutes and violin. Like, they have all sorts of different instruments, which I think is pretty interesting. And of course, we don't really see those ever again. <laughs> so they, I just want to be like, so did you guys just literally bring that for Bilbo's benefit? Or because I don't think you take them with you. Where do they go? Where do they leave them at Bilbo's? I don't know. Like, no idea. No idea. Awesome. But I think it's pretty cute. They just have them, you know? <laughs> for one scene yeah Uh, good for them good for them um and you know I think that uh this kind of sets the stage for the rest of it like you know it's um little nods to how much Bilbo enjoys being home but like Mm -hmm. has maybe a desire to uh you know even in his first conversation with Gandalf you know and he remembers who Gandalf is and you know oh you're the guy with like those amazing fireworks and mm-hmm. um you know people that would go on adventures with you so I'm kind of like also who else has Gandalf had other people go on adventures with because it's kind of implied that he has I guess uh, we're assuming like small adventures like to the next town yeah or- you know I know like maybe he took somebody to uh meet an elf once or something yeah (laughs) probably like all within the shire like he took somebody to Brie once amazing (laughs) I don't know well could still make you late for supper yeah facts absolutely good (laughs) not respectable not respectable (laughs) I love that line (laughs) like like that's the peak reason not to do something like oh I'll be late for supper with myself at my house oh, oh no <laughs> how dare i could never i mean it's giving grinch like jim carrey's how the grinch i stole christmas like you know, dinner with me again i can't miss that like <laughs> <can't> miss it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's 
that's that's a little bit of the vibe of Bilbo. He's got like a little bit of a something else going, but he's trying to um, conform. You know what I mean? Like keep to the Hobbit way of doing things, even if that may not be like totally his mm-hmm. heart's desire, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. But you know, here in uh, the film version, we're also getting to know more about the dwarves. You know, there we're getting to see we have more like one-off conversations with like Balin and Dwalin or Balin and mm-hmm. Thorin separately mm-hmm. um, and just like their concerns for the future. I mean, I think Balin has a really nice, he's really one of my favorite dwarves in the movies and he has this really nice aside with Thorin where he's like, you know, you've helped yeah. us and, you know, that is worth all the gold in Erebor. Like we don't have yeah. to do this. Yeah. Which I think is a really nice moment for the movies as well. Like especially mm-hmm. considering that they're they're giving it more of a heartfelt thing. It's not just about gold per se, even though mm-hmm. we do we do have a gold problem later. But um, we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, but it's really about home, right? It's more mm-hmm. about home. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sweet. that's a nice juxtaposition with like Bilbo, who has kind of elaborate house all to himself, and then he has all these like dwarves come in who don't necessarily have like a place like that or that you know like a generational home that has like I mean they bring up the point about his mother's doilies in the movie you know like they're kind (laughs) of making a point about how like he has all these things that have been inherited um and been in the family for a while you know and that's Mm -hmm. not really the case for the dwarves so they're Mm -hmm. doing a little bit more um visually and also just like helping us understand like what who Bilbo is but at the same time like really painting more of a picture with the dwarves than I think we see in the in the book which I think is interesting you know mm-hmm. um and I I like that like I remember there was like a whole joke about like hot dwarves or whatever because like you know was it Keely and Thorin? You know, they don't have a lot of like prosthetics on and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they really go in on like giving each one like a very lot of like personality and their mm-hmm. style. Um, but also I think the um, physical description of the dwarves was not super kind. Um, yeah. And so I think maybe it wasn't a bad decision to pivot away from and there really isn't that that much either i mean like tolkien really talks about their beards and their their hood color their hoods yeah yeah yeah. so there's not really a ton to go off of either any way so i think that's cool um and it's and it's kind of fun to see uh you know giving them their different personalities that isn't it's not there in the book but I think it adds like something else to the movies, mm-hmm. you know, that like mm-hmm. you're supposed to get to know this group over the course of the journey. So like giving them a little bit of distinction mm-hmm. definitely helps. And caring also. about them more mm-hmm. where you care about their purpose. You care about them getting to their home and having success and living. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause to follow all of them through, three movies is a lot and 
it's it's just it's just a lot of plot points or technically they all stay together and and they mm. move sort of as as one but it's nice to have you know individuality in that yeah big group so I, yeah mm-hmm. the movies did a good job with that mm-hmm. yeah I think the design I mean there's so much really going for the Hobbit like I think the actors <laughs> killed it I think the you know which still a beautiful you know fun romp through middle earth and mm-hmm. it's just kind of thinking like i think like the expectation setting at the outset is really important because it's just it's not mm-hmm. lord of the rings in the mm-hmm. sense that it's going to kind of give you the books in a slightly different way this is kind of more of a departure like like I'll say that like this first part isn't a massive departure and Mm -hmm. you know it's pretty charming um and I'm you know my feelings may change as we go but you know I think it's really they're really setting up for a tonal shift from the book um and you know there's whereas I think the Lord of the Rings is bringing the book to life and making it a good movie you know this is starting to feel Mm -hmm. like the ultimate goal of the movie was altogether different um Mm -hmm. you know like maybe not so much directly adapting the novel but to create something else within the middle Mm -hmm. earth peter jackson had created previously yeah i agree with that like making just an epic adventure um and i wonder if like the success of the first three you know the lord of the rings trilogy kind of gave him and the writers and producers and everyone just a little bit more of like let's try this let's do that yeah absolutely <laughs> hey we we told him at the front that they yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think we have done we have gone like COVID. 40 minutes of recording without one big cough <laughs> so i think this is <laughs> we're doing really i know well. we're like okay, over great. here like don't do it <laughs> 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 oh, i know we're we're going strong we're doing we're doing a good job people doing yeah great. we got it doing great <laughs> you know what's one thing that i was thinking about um is how it it kind of became like with the hobbit movies it kind of became like this expansion on peter jackson's middle earth but um it almost wasn't uh, it almost was a Guillermo del Toro version of The Hobbit. Ooh. And that he was going to be the original director. I know that he worked on a bunch of designs for the movie, but then because of scheduling delays and there was also some like financial stuff going on with MGM that he eventually had to step away just because he didn't have time to do it anymore because mm-hmm. he had other stuff going on. But it really makes me wonder especially when we think about how I think Peter Jackson in like I I know he was like executive producing it anyway and he was basically he wanted this movie to be made but he wasn't going to direct it but then he does direct it so that it does get made but it almost makes me wonder like what could have been a little Mm. bit And, and, and just so far as like not even just opening up to another interpretation of Middle Earth and, and Tolkien, but also like mm-hmm. people's uh, 
fundamental like mental image of Middle mm-hmm. Earth I think has been so cemented because there's been three trilogies all by or there's been two trilogies you know three six movies all by Peter um that have this very like certain look and of course that mm-hmm. those were inspired by other artists you know and you know mm-hmm. John Howe and Alan Lee helped build but um I think it, it could have been really interesting for us as a fandom and just like people at large if del toro had been able to realize his own version of the hobbit Mm -hmm. and i still feel like he could do you know what i mean like i don't know if he ever would want to go back in time like that but it i think the hobbit is one that is so it's the most whimsical of everything (laughs) you know and it's the most fairy tale like and um i think a director like him could really i think it's one that's you could have a billion different versions of The Hobbit and it would be mm-hmm. fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I really think because what we did get was such a, shall we say, interpretation that <laughs> that I think, uh, you know, another interpretation could definitely uh, be made and be popular. I mean, honestly, like, I, if, if they made 14 versions of The Hobbit, I would still watch them all. Yeah. If they, like, whatever they make, I'm going to watch. But, Same. Um, Same. And The Hobbit is one that's so, like, it's very sweet, and I think that it has a lot of heart, but it's so, like, fantastical, and there's just a lot of mm-hmm. silly things that happen, like the whole... Um, like when later when we get to Bayorn and they have to go in two by two and five minutes <laughs> apart, you know, and like the things with um like the elves like uh, disappearing or like Bilbo teasing the spiders and you know that kind of thing. Like there's a lot of things where it's just kind of like it can be scary or it could be kind of silly. I mean, there's so many different ways that you could represent these scenes um mm-hmm. so I don't know I think that um while we have really gotten used to like a Peter Jackson universe of Middle Earth mm-hmm. you know I think that um that you know I think the Hobbit movies have their place and I think that they're fun and but I I really kind of hope that like especially with the rings of power and everything like that we're mm-hmm. gonna start seeing more interpretations of uh middle earth and you know diving into these worlds um mm-hmm. because i think that there's so much um that you know peter jackson wasn't able to include you know i i just think that like if i mean this is such a big um universe and I know that like the Silmarillion may not ever be on the plate because it hasn't ever been up for sale but as far as like the rights to movie making but I think that there is um a lot of there's still you know a lot of fun things that to be done in Middle Earth so yeah what about the isn't there supposed to be is it animated or something with the Rohirrim yeah, that, so there's going to be the War of the Rohirrim, I think, in 2024. And okay. it's going to be like an anime, but Miranda Otto is going to narrate as Eowyn. And it's talking, I think it's going to be the story of like Helm Hammerhand, which 
Sweet. I believe is in the appendices a little bit. So I think okay. that that's what they're basing it on. They're, they're obviously they're going to expand upon it, but I think more animated Lord of the Rings related stuff would also be great. I think that yeah. um, I think Tom Bombadil should be an animated. Yeah, <laughs> Tom, like an animated would be. Yeah, he should. I would love to see like an animated version of the Old Forest and Old Man Willow. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that would be. Because that seems kind of scary. It's pretty scary, yeah. <laughs> so I think so. it would be better, like, animated. And I think that there's also, like, you know, I don't know. There, There's, like, parts of uh, Tolkien where, like, that weird dread feeling he's able to write, but it hasn't necessarily always, like, translated to a movie. But maybe animations mm. could help with that. Um, I feel like it's that that's in the music yeah conveying dread yeah. i feel like the music yeah. would have a lot to do with that totally oh yeah agreed agreed yeah and and that's another thing is that like when i think eventually we'll probably take a look at the animated versions of the hobbit and lord of the rings but like i know that several of them have some bangers of songs in them <laughs> you know i do love i will say that i do love that we do get some songs in this version of the hobbit as well i mean we know you know far over the misty mountains cold is is iconic like it's Mm -hmm. pretty much just a pop song now yeah it's so (laughs) catchy but like they even do like the the plate song yeah that's the little baggins yeah Yeah. (laughs) i love that i noted is like the there's not really any songs there may be some singing like in the Lord of the Rings trilogy movies, like mm-hmm. when they're in Lothlorien and they're singing for Gandalf or Aragorn singing when he's being coronated. Right. Is that the word? But like, there's not really songs in the Peter Jackson yeah. Lord of the Rings trilogy it, movie, right? Yeah, like the Hobbits sing a couple of times. I mean, mainly like the dancing on the table the and Rohan. Uh, yeah. Don't do the bath song, which I yeah, know. <laughs> I know that yeah, the whole Krakalo stuff gets cut. Um, but there is a lot more singing in the books than what makes it into the movies. There's like mm-hmm. some chanting, but here they're they're like starting to do it, and I honestly don't remember the hobbit movies the same way that i remember the lord of the rings movies yeah um i think there might be more songs but i definitely know that they cut like the orcs no wait do they have the orcs singing now i'm not even sure they have down in goblin town they do okay the goblins sing okay (laughs) yes okay i remember that now but then i think really hideous i think they're supposed to sing when they're up in the trees too but i don't know we'll see we'll see but we're, we're starting to see some songs so mm-hmm. that's fun um and we'll see if we get any more but do you two have any additional thoughts about the first 40 minutes of the movie or the first chapter mm-hmm. uh just some like nostalgic love scene gandalf when yeah. he hits his head against the chandelier yeah. just like that throwback moment when he sticks his eye through the window that's what i <laughs> oh remember. my gosh <laughs> <laughs> i know it's like hello oh no i know we can't laugh or we'll cough um, <laughs> yeah 
but I, I also love that they give this to um is it dory they give it to one of the dwarves instead of bilbo but they have again they kind of like play downplay uh bilbo's really super politeness to be a good host but they have i think it's dory or nori or, or one of them um ask gandalf <laughs> if he would like some tea and he says no red wine thank oh, yeah. you which i think is amazing because it's like this is red wine gandalf and by the time we get to fellowship we have just tea thank you gandalf so Aww. um this is the gandalf that's like more inclined to party <laughs> Go gandalf. i like we, that i hadn't picked up on that andy that's that's really cool yeah we've got like party gandalf and then in the fellowship it's more like taking care of business like mm-hmm. he's cooled down a little bit <laughs> gandalf <laughs> Which is funny because he still has a ways to go. Yeah. In, yeah. you know, the next couple movies. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> wow, we could do a whole podcast just on Gandalf's journey, my God. I know. I just realized Ooh. that. <laughs> but yeah. no, I thought I thought the movie um, kept it, like for this chapter, kept it fairly consistent. Yeah. Like, and, and faithful to the books. So it's a strong start for me. Yeah, I would say I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. cool well i know that we are ill so <laughs> i i think we'll end that one there so basically where we're ending this one is bilbo is about to wake up um we know that in the end of the chapter it says that it was long after the break of day when he woke up because he was kind of hearing thorin humming um the the song and so we've we've talked about we must away or break of day uh several times in this at this point so i love that tolkien is like it was long after that when he woke <laughs> up so next time for the chapter roast mutton we will have bilbo waking up and see what he decides to do next and you know how this unexpected journey kicks off and so thanks again to Callie and Meeks for being here and kicking off season two Um, would y'all before we go would y'all like to give your uh, reminder for your socials just so everybody knows where to find you um in case they didn't write it down at the beginning yeah okay I'm fangirl Meeks you can find me on tiktok and instagram and twitter um, I am mostly on Instagram these days, but would love to get back into things. Um, and maybe this podcast will be the thing to push me back. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and I am Callie Cosplay on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter, uh, but mostly TikTok, I guess, and the Discord where we all hang out, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Join the Discord if you haven't already. There is a link um on tolkienwithfriends.com to join or um in our link tree and of course if you're not subscribed already please do so now so you get notified as soon as we get um new episodes published we're shooting for every couple of weeks this time and we are also on instagram and twitter so find us there Uh, for fun podcast clips and some other uh, fun things as well. And we will see you very soon.